Coming to you live from the Morningstar Mission Sponsored Studios, this is Carl and Crew Mornings on 90.1 FM Moody Radio. You ever been so right about something that you were wrong? <laughs> no. So right about something you were wrong. I've heard that <laughs> phrase before, but what does that mean? <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so you were so kind of firm in your rightness yeah. that it didn't really matter if you were right or wrong. Ah, you were wrong. Okay. Because you were so... <laughs> kind of stubborn. Stubbornness. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. It's Freedom Friday here on Carlin Crew Mornings. I got a, a really kind of interesting topic to talk about with you today, but I want to start with this. Have you ever had your mind changed about something? I, I started with the stubbornness aspect because I think in a lot of ways, many people are reluctant to allow their mind to be changed about much of anything. Yeah, that's fair. It's kind of like, I believe what I believe. Mm. Always have. Always have, always mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with it. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is what I believe. You know, early on when my husband and I were dating, one of our first, I guess, it wasn't really an argument, but it was like definitely a disagreement. A disagreement. And we both were convinced that we were right about something. (laughs) Uh Of course. And neither one of us would, would budge. Now, unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately, this one involved the definition of a word. So there ah, absolutely was a right there's answer. There's an answer, yeah. But this was like pre-iPhone. Right. Oh, So okay. this was pre, like, you pre-Google. could just. <laughs> you can't just look it up. Like, this was back in, I don't know, maybe 04. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so, so far. <laughs> so cell phones for sure, but the ability to just pull a phone out of your pocket and right. say, here, here's proof that I'm right. Right, yeah, yeah. So okay. we're driving, and I don't know how it came up. But somehow he used the word melanin. Okay. Do you yeah. know what melanin is? I do. It's uh, so I don't know. It's like a, I, I don't know what it is, but it creates either darker or lighter skin. Yes. If you have more melanin, your skin's darker. If you have less right. melanin, your skin's lighter. So it's a natural substance mm-hmm. that determines the color of hair, skin, and eyes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So darker skinned people have mm-hmm. more melanin. Yes. Fairer skinned people have less melanin. Correct. Simply put. And so for some reason, I had always thought that what determined the hue or the pigment of someone's skin was melatonin. <laughs> oh, OK. Very close. A in similar spelling. word. Yes. But mm-hmm. not at all it. Very different meaning. Mm-hmm. And so I said, no, 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 no it's melatonin. And he goes, no, it's definitely melanin. <laughs> this was a 100 a, percent. This was the conversation in the car. <laughs> no, it's melanin. I'm confident oh, of it. Ellie, no, no, honey, no. I, it's melatonin. And, you know, I'm kind of the, of the two in our relationship, uh-huh. I was the journalism one. Right. Scrabble like, whenever there, I love to play yeah. Scrabble. <laughs> so I was a little bit, I don't want to say cocky, but like the <laughs> thought that I could be wrong on this one. Was low, low risk. Did not enter my mind that I could be wrong on this word one because my husband, you know, he would always gladly defer to me. Like, Mm. can you edit my paper? Can you check to make sure that this is written? This was my thing. It was what you did. (laughs) It was something related to basketball. I was always going to defer to him or even economics. That was his major in college. So math stuff, I deferred to him. He was better at math, but I was better at grammar and English. So. It's melatonin. And so this went back and forth for a while because, again, we were not able to look this up immediately. Well, (laughs) later on when we were, Uh lo and behold. What did you find out? The substance that determines the color of hair, skin, and eyes is not melatonin. It is not. It is melanin. Melatonin (sighs) is a hormone in your body that plays a role in sleep. Yes. Yes. I had my mind changed because I was wrong. I was wrong. I had it wrong. I thought that it was one thing and it was something else. What happens, though, when you are persist in your stubbornness and even in the face of proof, Mm. even in the face of evidence that, hey, you know what? You might want to reconsider your position on this. Are you willing to humble yourself enough to have your mind changed? Yeah going to go to a passage of scripture where that very question is in play. Will you allow your mind to be changed? Will you allow yourself to be wrong? 
New to the show? Stick around for a while. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Ever been confronted with evidence that maybe you're wrong about something? This could be like, for me, it was a word definition that I was so confident I had correct because I'm the word person, right? In the relationship, (laughs) at least. My husband was the math guy. He was the sports guy. I was the Scrabble (laughs) ace and the journalism major. So could I possibly be wrong on a word definition and he be the one who was right? Absolutely. And thankfully, by the grace of God, when presented with a dictionary definition, I said, oh, well, you know what? (laughs) I guess you are right. Oops. I guess I was wrong on this one. Yeah. Let's go to Matthew 21. Jonathan, read the parable of the two sons. Before you before you do, though, yeah. parable of the two sons, where does your mind go to? Prodigal son. Prodigal son. Yeah. It's not that one. It's not. It's a different parable of the two sons. Okay, go ahead, Jonathan. Very nice. This is ver- uh, chapter 21, verse 28 through 32. What do you think... A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, The first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John, meaning John the Baptist, came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did believe him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Okay, so this one really required some looking up commentary type stuff. Sure. Because I'm going to be honest, I... I've read this for years, and what I would have guessed it meant was not at all hmm. what it meant, okay? So let's just recap a little bit. The parable goes like this. There's a man who has two sons. To the first, he says, they, he tells them both to go out and do an assignment. Right. Go out and work in the vineyard. Right. The first one says, nope. Yep. <laughs> I will not. Mm-mm. But then later, changes his mind and goes and does the assignment. Yeah. The second one says, yes, I'll go, sir. On it. I'm on it. But then does it. So then Jesus poses this question that seems almost like a trick question. Which one did the will of the father? Which one was obedient? Was it the one who said, no, I'm not going to do what you've told me to do, but then later changed his mind and went and did it? Or was it the second one that said, Yeah, sure, I'm on it, but then didn't. Now, if you're a parent, you've had this happen where you have told a child to do something. Go clean your room. Sure, mom, I'm on it. Mm -hmm. Hours pass, maybe days pass, and you walk by and you look in that room. Is it clean? No, it is not. Just keep walking. So in... (laughs) Clearly, that was not obedience. Clearly, the second son who said they were going to do something and didn't was not obedient. But what about the first? That's the one that was most puzzling to me. Because the first one said, no, I will not do what you've told me to do. Mm -hmm. But then later wouldn't do it. I would have thought that would be disobedience, too. That's kind of what I originally thought was the point of this parable was that neither one obeyed. Right. So let me give you the breakdown. Lots of thanks to the Moody Bible commentary for this one, because like I said, this one was a head scratcher for me. So the sons represent two different types of people. The first son, the one that said no, was had no intention of obeying, but then later changed his mind, represents sinners, blatant known sinners, tax collectors, okay. prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's represented by the first son. No, won't obey. But then later, now what changed in the in-between? We'll get to that. The second son, the one that said, yes, yes, sir, I'm on it, but then did not obey. That was the representation of the religious leaders. They're the audience that's hearing this, by the way. So they should see themselves in this parable because that's (laughs) who Jesus is addressing. The one son represents the sinner. The second son represents the religious leaders. So what happened in the in-between? Well, John the Baptist came, 
preaching a gospel of repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How did the tax collectors, the sinners, the first son represented here, respond once they were presented with the message of John the Baptist? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. What did they do? Well, they changed they their it. minds and they, they repented. They changed their yeah. minds. Yeah, they got it. So upon being presented with a message that caused them to question their disobedience, they changed their mind and they obeyed. That second son, though, represented by the religious leaders. Yes, we will obey the word of the Lord. Well, here comes John preaching a gospel of repentance, telling them to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And what do they do? No, nothing. Not going to follow you. They said that they would be obedient. They said they were being obedient, Mm -hmm. but then presented with this message of repentance, turn, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. They do nothing. What do they do? They reject John. They think he's got a demon or something. Mm -hmm. They think he's kind of crazy. They certainly don't accept that this message, John came bearing the message of Jesus. He was the forerunner. They say no. And then here's what makes it worse. And this is the verse that has just always struck me. This is verse 32, Matthew 21, 32. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, what's the it? The tax collectors and the prostitutes being Mm. affected by this gospel of repentance. Even when you saw that, even when you saw evidence you did not afterwards change your minds and believe him. Wow. Fascinating. Harsh. Very. And so I, every time I've read this, I've always thought, this is, was the big takeaway, even before I understood the whole parable. It's okay. Jesus, I believe, is saying here, it's okay to change your mind. Mm-hmm. In fact, you should change your mind when yeah. presented with evidence that challenges what you thought you believed to be true. Yeah. And so I was thinking about how you apply this. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about positions that you hold on to. Are you willing to be confronted? Are you willing to consider that maybe there's some things about the gospel that you've believed and are wrong? We'll talk about that coming up. Discipleship to start your day. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. What did you hear about Jesus that changed your mind? going to be our Freedom Friday question. I want to go I ahead like and open that. phone lines as we're talking about this today. What did you hear about Jesus that changed your mind? 312-274-9624. In the parable of the two sons, there are as there is a man who has two sons and he tells them both, go and work in the vineyard today. The first one says, I won't, but then later changes his mind and goes. The second son says, oh, I will, I'll go. But he did not go. Both sons were presented with the same assignment and had the choice whether to obey or to disobey. The one was blatantly disobedient. This is representative of the sinner, the tax collector, the prostitute. The second son represented the religious leader. This son said, yes, I'll obey, but did not. When John the Baptist came preaching a gospel of repentance, a baptism of repentance, the first son the sinner changed his mind. I'm going to obey. The second son, though they said they were obedient to God, though they believed that their birthright earned them, you know, favor, they didn't believe that John's message was to be taken seriously. So they were disobedient. And then this verse 32, which is one that has always Caught my eye, but I didn't quite fully understand it until last night. This is verse 32. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterwards change your mind, minds and believe him. What do you do when presented with evidence that what you believe might not be the truth? Well, I hope that you're humble enough to at least consider it and be willing to have your mind changed. Yeah. Yeah. First step. What's the cost of of not being willing to have your mind changed on something? 
Well, I think that let, are we talking about the gospel or are just we talking about general, just in general? In ge- the general principle of life, being willing to consider, mm-hmm. is what I believe actually true. And then if I'm wrong, if I'm presented with evidence that I'm, yeah. that I, that I'm wrong on this, am I willing to change my mind? What's think, the cost of being unwilling? I think you lose quality of life mm-hmm. because living in the truth is so much better than living in a lie, whatever it may be. I think... It can affect relationships. Yeah, I think that it can affect really how how we live our lives. Yeah. It's just the essence of that. And I think it also you lose just knowledge in general mm-hmm. for yourself, just figuring things out, and you lose truth because mm-hmm. what you believe may not be the truth. So yeah. you are losing truth. And what are you relaying if if you are so stuck in the mud with what you have in your head? Is that what you're pouring on to other people? Yeah. Like, w- wait a minute, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? So you are p- perpetuating whatever is going on in your head. And again, if it's not truth, oh my, that's on you. And so for the religious leaders, what they were being presented with didn't fit with what they thought was coming. Like there, this John and he, you know, the locusts and the camel hair and the mm. It's kind of a wild man. And then this little bit, you know, there's someone coming after me who's greater and I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. And it was this this message of repentance. The tax collectors and the prostitutes turned and responded. It was the religious leaders who were like, no, this doesn't look like what we thought it was going to be. So, no, hard pass. Don't really want that. Don't really want that. Thank you. You know, and I think about some of the things that people believe about the gospel or about going to church, believing in Jesus. Some of the things that I hear, well, you know, I think it's as long as you believe in something. Mm-hmm. I hear that one a lot. Yeah. I hear, you know, pretty much, you know, I, you know, there's a lot of different religions and I, I, I kind of feel like they all lead the same place. Yeah. That we all land in the same place. That's another one. Um, you know, I really, I really think it's about being a good person. Yeah. I'm gonna try to be a really good person, be a I'm gonna be honest in my dealings and have a good, you know, we have a good family. These are all things that I've heard and I can picture people, like specific sure. people. Yes. Yeah. Wanna raise great kids. That's those are the big three that I hear. Mm-hmm. A good person. As long as you believe in something, mm-hmm. aren't pretty much all religions the same and they kind of all land the same place. Yeah. Those are the big three. Anything I'm missing of kind of the popular, at least in Western thought. I think you've got the top the, three. The popular ones that you hear. Yeah, I think that there's then there's just kind of the, you know, agnostic, mm-hmm. like, well, I believe that there is a higher power and number four. You added one. And yep. And I'm, I don't really know what's afterwards, but I'm sure that it's good, yeah. you know? Yeah, that I think that there's, I do think that there's something higher than us out there. Yes. If there's anything I'm missing, text me. What are some other, maybe, maybe there's a belief system that you have that you feel like I'm not capturing correctly. You can send that to me as well. Text us 312-274-9624. Need a wake up call? We can help with that. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. When presented with evidence that maybe you were wrong about something, are you willing to change your mind? We're looking at the parable of the two sons, not the prodigal sons. This is another kind of, I would say, less often talked about parable. Is that fair? Oh, yeah. I don't oh. I I didn't recognize this one when I was reading. <laughs> it's out of Matthew 21, verse 28 through 32. I'll sum it up for you. It's the parable of the two sons. There's a man who has two sons and he tells them both go out and work in the vineyard today. The first son says what? The first son says, no, I'm nope. not going to go. Yeah. Nope. But then what? He changes his mind. Changes yeah. his mind. And he goes. And later goes on and does what he was told to do. The second son same assignment. Go out and work in the vineyard today. The second son says what? For sure. Yeah, I'll do it. Yep. I'm <laughs> on it. But then doesn't actually go. Yeah. And so Jesus poses this question. This is to the religious leaders. Which of the two did the will of his father? Now, the first son 
represents the sinners, the blatant sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. Initially, they were blatantly disobedient, had no intention of following Jesus, but then later changed their mind when they were presented with the message from John the Baptist, the message, a gospel of repentance, a baptism of repentance. The religious leaders were the ones, the second son, the ones who initially said, yes, we will obey. But then they rejected the message that John was bringing, the message of Jesus. They would not change their mind, even when they saw the impact that it had on those sinners. Mm -hmm. So verse 32 has always struck me, and it was only yesterday that I really kind of grasped all of what this was captured in this verse. For John came to you, says verse 32, in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. So that was opportunity number one. They didn't believe him initially. But it gets worse. It says, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, saw the belief of the tax collectors and the prostitutes, saw the impact on them, even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. So there was the initial wrong belief, and then there was the secondary unwillingness to change their mind, even when presented with evidence that maybe we're wrong on this one. Yeah. And that's what Jesus wanted them to see. You wouldn't even change your mind when you saw it. And I thought, how fascinating. I think the big takeaway is that it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to have believed something wrongly. But when confronted with the truth, are you willing to reconsider and change your mind? Maybe you've spent years believing it's just about being a good person. When presented with the real gospel, that what? How would you refute the, it's just about being a good person? I don't need a chapter and verse if you don't have it. But generally speaking, how would you refute? What would you say to help change the mind of somebody who says it's about being a good person? Oh, man, that's a good question. Yeah. You want a minute to think about I'll it? I'll say that's like saying the cross I, doesn't exist. Right? I would say this. I would say it's not – you're right. It will – being a good person is a great goal, but in order to stand before a perfect God, we would have to be perfect people. <laughs> and, hey, that's never happened and other than Jesus. It's yeah. never happened other than Jesus. Yeah. And that's why we need him because his death – has made us perfect before God. Yeah. We stand in the righteousness of Christ. So, you know, there's a scripture verse that says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person is born into sin. So there's no such thing as being a quote unquote good person. Even if you try to do the right thing, even if you try to not lie and not steal and not you know, cheat on your spouse, you try to check certain boxes, it's not possible for you to attain the perfection Mm -hmm. that's required apart from Jesus. So when confronted with that, are you willing to go, huh, could that be true? Well, it's in the word of God. Should I change my mind on this one? What about maybe you've believed that as long as you believe in something, right? I mean, just about believing in something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work either. Because the Bible says that there's only one way to the Father. There's only one way to peace with God, and that's through Jesus, Jesus Christ. Are you willing to change your mind today? I know, messing with your belief system a little bit. I'm messing with some popular worldviews that... I hear a lot. I hear often enough to know that this is kind of what pervades a, a, a culture that's becoming increasingly secular, that it's becoming more difficult to identify even what it means to be a Christian. Sure. doesn't mean you go to church. It doesn't mean that you try to do good things. It doesn't mean that you give your money away. It is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. So today, if you're hearing this, And by the power of the Holy Spirit, because I know that it's not my words. This is the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're willing to change your mind today and consider that, whoa, I think I'm seeing something that I've not seen before. I believed some of these things, but based on what I'm seeing and hearing today, there's a couple things that you need to know that are true of you. One is that you are a sinner. All of us are born into sin. 
and in need of a savior. Carl likes to say we're born with our back to God. Our default position is to be children of wrath, children of Satan. I know that sounds dramatic, but that's right out of scripture. It's only when we turn to Jesus for salvation, for redemption, for forgiveness of sins that we can be made right with God. So if today you're willing to change your mind, you're willing to turn and go a new way, I want you to have an honest conversation between you and God where you confess, I'm a sinner. I've missed the mark. I've not lived a perfect life, and I'm not able to. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sin because I need it. There was no other way. I believe that you rose again on the third day so that I could have eternal life. In your resurrection, I had eternal life too. If today you could say that, honestly, and you could cry out to God a prayer of repentance, a prayer, a prayer of acknowledgement of you as a sinner confessing him as your savior, then today you become a child of God. Today you change your mind in the best possible way. If that's you, when you can safely do so, just text the word welcome. We want to send you something. Text welcome to 312-274-9624. Just text the word welcome to 312-274-9624. Boom Crew, celebrate what God is doing in you. This is Carl and Crew Mornings. Freedom Friday here on Carl and Crew. I want to tell you about something that's coming up in this next half hour. But first, I want to get Super Die in here. We've been having this conversation. Super Die, what would you say you heard that changed your mind. You had an orthodox background. Yes. And in some religious exposure, religious traditions, certainly. Right, right. Um, yes, Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was the son of God. Mm-hmm. But Jesus was over there. Yeah. I was not good enough. I was not important enough to actually have a relationship with Jesus. Only certain people could do that for me mm-hmm. or could do that at all. It was like a distance sort of scenario and situation. Plus, you know, to have the idea, Jesus dying on the cross, it wasn't never made directly to me. Yeah. It was like he died on the cross. Okay. There was nothing ever personal about it. Wow. So reading the gospel blew my mind in the sense that, no, he died on that. My sins put him on that cross. Mm. Like that never s- sunk in before. Yeah. And he died on that cross because he loved me. You know, and it wasn't that I had to jump through hoops for him to go on the cross. He did that while I was still a sinner. Again, blowing my yeah. mind. And that the fact that I could have a relationship with him, I don't have to be intercessed through anything or mm-hmm. anybody. I could go directly to him. And the love that he has for me is unconditional, not conditional, unconditional. I mean, I saturated myself in Romans, all through Romans, especially Romans 8. And when it talks about how how the depth and the height and no powers, I mean, that one just caused me to go on my knees. Wow. That he would love me that much. He died on that cross for me. And no matter what others are putting into my head. He's in my heart, Mm. and that overrides everything. So that personal, the love of God for me. For me. The cross for me. For me. Changed your mind. Yes. It wasn't some distant, it wasn't a story, Mm. it wasn't like a thing in history, not to be touched, not to be anything else. Yeah. Like, no, it's to be grasped, to be held, to be everything. Yeah. It's everything. What about you? What did you hear that changed your mind about Jesus? about the gospel. Going from believers of Jesus to followers of Jesus. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. So many things that we believe go unexamined, unchallenged, unquestioned. Maybe we don't even realize it until somebody suggests, maybe there's a something else. You know, this can be in simple things. For instance, my son had no desire for Chick-fil-A breakfast. Mm. None. Mm. Oh. Ew. I don't want Chick-fil-A breakfast. And I said, you know what? You need to try a chicken biscuit. That's right. He does. (laughs) He was reluctant, but that's what Mm. we wanted. And so he's like, fine, I'm just going to have it today. He wanted, I don't know, Burger King French toast sticks or something. Sure. So we went 
and he had a Chick-fil-A chicken biscuit mm. for the first time. And? and Yeah. Can we say his mind was changed? I think we can. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, there's confidence Mom, in that. This is for sure. This is really good. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good. So good. His mind was changed <laughs> because he tried it. Because he was presented with evidence that, you know what, my belief that Chick-fil-A breakfast sandwich is not where it's at. Yes. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, man. Have you ever had your mind changed on something? It's amazing how reluctant we can be, how set in our ways, where we've never even challenged what we believe to be right? true. We just kind of, and so many people live like this. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you need to have this sort of, ungodly or unbiblical openness to just any and everything. Sure. But what I'm suggesting is when it comes to what you believe about God, so many people default to worldviews, systems, tradition, religion, things that they've never really even examined, but they've just kind of always held as true because they might not even be able to tell you why. Yeah. They believe That's things right, like. Point. What's the one that you just said is a common one? You just said it and then it slipped oh. out of my mind. All the same God. All the same God. It's yeah. all the same God. All mm-hmm. paths lead to the same place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. As long as you believe in something, right? As long as you're a good person and your good outweighs your bad, right? I mean, everybody ultimately goes to heaven, right? Everybody's a child of God, right? Are you willing to really closely examine those commonly held positions about God, about faith, about Jesus, are you willing to hold those up to the light of Scripture and say, is this really true? Because I'm not asking you to take my word for something. What do I know? I'm asking you to take what you've believed to be true about God and hold it up against the word of God and say, does it match? Does it fit? Could I be wrong on this one? It's our topic this Freedom Friday. Are you willing to change your mind when confronted with truth that maybe I'm wrong? Coming up, we've got a special guest who's going to be joining us. Her name is Dr. Lena Abajamra. She's got a book with a really unique title. Whether it's number one or 100, take that step with Jesus today. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. One of the most compelling revivalists that I know a woman with a passion to see the church come alive is Lena Abajamra. We've had her on many times before, but I got to tell you, we've got a we got a new angle today. It's a memoir of sorts. Is that overreaching, Lena? I mean, I'm not putting you in the memoir category yet here, sister, but boy, this is getting personal, isn't it? It's pretty close to a memoir, Carl. I would say so, but it's speaking about a relevant topic to the culture And I think the Spirit of God led me to use a memoir form because I think it's effective, honestly, for a problem that needs a cure at the end of the day that needs to be resolved in order for us to see revival. The book is called Don't Tell Anyone You're Reading This. (laughs) And in short, it's a book about sex for every Christian who longs to be free from sexual struggle. First, the title, Lena. Why do you want someone to not tell anyone that they're reading this book? Yeah, it's meant to be tongue-in-cheek, you know, irony. Uh, people who know me know that I'm fairly sarcastic in real life, and, and I thought it was a sarcastic title. But honestly, we had a different, I had a different working title to begin with. The premise of, again, even why I used a memoir form to write the book was that there's a lot out there on this topic. And, and by the way, I would even backtrack a bit more and, and suggest that it's not just a book about sex. It's a book about uh, desire and how we fill our desire with things that don't satisfy us rather than going to the Lord. And we do that with many things. Sex is the easy thing to pick on, but there's food, there's exercising, there's work. You know, people do all sorts of addictive behavior that is really meant to numb whatever it is in your life that's wrong. And so particularly in the issue of sexual struggle and desire for the Christian, um, the problem seems to be one that everybody's aware of, but everybody wants to think that you have a problem with it and I don't. And I think, you know, an easy way to sort of think about it is as you consider the amount of number of leaders that have had literally implosions of their ministries in the last five years, which was really the incentive that led me to write this book was one last story of a leader a few months ago that I heard about that I actually knew personally that came as a bit of a shock to me. Call me naive, you know, call me 
hopeful, wishful thinker, but certain people I know that I just thought, Wendy, just that's not an issue for them at this point in their life. And, and, and that person was functioning in the church, serving and producing worship songs that felt very sincere and intimate with the Lord. So it didn't connect in my brain why that person would have had to resort to an affair for several months ongoing, not a one-time thing, but a habitual thing. And so it, it convicted me and it, it got me, you know, riled up enough where my agent jokingly said, you should write a book about this. Lena, what is it about desire that you want to share in this work that you've just published that we don't often discuss or even know what's going on? I think we think as desire as a curse, like in a sense, like if, we're yes. un, if it's unfulfilled, we look at desire as something that we need to find a way to cure but we sort of miss the fact that God has put in us that desire not to be filled with things that are earthly, but to really draw us to himself. The old, you know, St. Augustine, uh, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And I, we, we sort of resent desire if it goes on unfulfilled. I think as a single, I've had been privy to that. Many singles can understand that. You desire to be married. You desire to have a family. And, and you don't have that. And so there's a tension there. Of course, uh, people desire for a bigger home. They desire for financial security, maybe more than a bigger home. Sort of the things in life that make for peace a stable job, kids that are doing the right thing, on and on. And while desire, again, can be met humanly, there's always something else that will trigger that desire because ultimately God wired us with that as a sort of an alarm system to say, what you really need is bigger. This is what led us to salvation. It's yep. this desire for more. And yet somehow we think it's going to die off when we become a Christian, when God is saying, listen, lean into that desire. Stop trying to fill it with things that don't satisfy you. That's what Isaiah talks about. Come, drink. It's free. Stop wasting your life on that, which is not. Jeremiah spent the entire book moaning and, and, and lamenting the fact that the people of Israel had turned to other things. And we today in 2023 are indeed turning as a church in the United States to other things to satisfy. And until we change and find in God our all in all, uh, we will continue to be broken. Dr. Lena Abajamra is our guest right now. You are a single. You've done ministry for singles. We're going to get a little bit of your own story. And who is this book for? More coming up. Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. We've got Dr. Lena Abajamra with us right now, featuring a book called Don't Tell Anyone You're Reading This. Uh, this book deals very honestly with sexual struggle, struggle with desire. Uh, a lot of shame can come into the picture when there's any conversation about sex. Do you address that in this book? 100% I do. The reason that I have struggled for as long as I have had with some hidden areas of my life is that I, I didn't talk about them. And I didn't talk about them because I was ashamed. That is not unique. I think what our culture has done with shame in this era is to throw it out the window. Rather than allowing our shame to lead us to Christ, our culture has decided to throw it out the window. So we now don't want to shame anyone for anything. In fact, that's the beacon of our non-Christian culture. Uh, we've embraced it. We've trodden over it. We've tattooed over it. We've ignored it. We've denied it, everything, but allowing it to lead us back to Jesus. And, 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 and I think the problem for the Christian is that we haven't found a safe place to discuss some of those difficult topics. As hard as the church has tried to create small group culture, it still feels like confessing certain things in small group is only fodder for gossip. Mm. And you sort of have this detached view of yourself as maybe a little bit in a different box, which is why I think, you know, it's easy to look at a book like this and think, well, that's for the singles. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is this for right? singles? Well, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, that's the tendency is to say, well, that's for the men who are single, who struggle with pornography, Right because women don't struggle with pornography, as an example. And so really the book, I believe, is for every man and woman who has claimed allegiance to Jesus, who wants to do right, but is still falling into the trap of doing the things that we hate and we want to overcome, still dealing with issues of the flesh and not understanding how they can be so dedicated to the Lord on one hand and yet so hidden in certain scenarios in their life on the other. And I believe with all my heart that many people have left the ministry and discounted their calling for God because of this area of their inability to overcome, to feel victorious in the area of sexual sin. Or they've hidden those areas until one day, boom, everybody finds out the hard way. I talk about my journey in the book and how I was able to get to that place. But I believe that you know, even in this era of church deconstruction, let's call it, where people are less attached to church, 
there's never been a greater need for Christian community. I think we're treating symptoms in the church. Tell me if I'm wrong. But I think we're talking about sex, resisting temptation, resist that temptation. And yep. we're not going for the fulfiller of our deepest desires, which is Christ. I agree. I think all of the strategies to overcome sexual sin that I have seen, well, not all, but the majority are really aimed at stopping the symptoms. Yes. It's like, oh my goodness, you got a cough, here's a cough medicine. Your ear hurts, here's a Motrin. You're, you know, like we are hitting up all of these things. Get, get a thing for your phone. Accountability partners, you know, ban that from your house. Throw this out. And, and it's almost like these guacamole things that keep coming up. And in 2023, as hard as we slam them down, Satan has found a way to make it into our homes, onto our phones, to infiltrate our minds. And if, even if you have all sorts of guards now, any TV show, you know, you don't have to go anymore yes. to the store down the street. And now you don't have to go anywhere. You've got the respectability of your own house that you can access anything. And if you think you need to get on some Internet, you know, search in order to find it, you are naive. The statistics show like kids are accessing, you know, porn at the age of 10 and 11 and 12 for the first time. Like the majority of kids, it's shocking when you really think about it. And so, yeah, I agree. For us to just continue to address this problem on a symptomatic basis misses the heart of it. And this is what I think I do in the book is every chapter gets a different reason as to why we keep chasing that behavior. And the why isn't always hormones. You know, I'm a doctor. I understand hormones. The problem isn't always hormonal. The problem is our hearts. Everything comes back Amen. to the heart. We have need. We are stretched in. We have no margin in life. We need release. We feel like we're giving, giving, giving. No one is giving back in return. I mean, the cycle of sin is never simply because of the apple. It has to do, when you think about Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, it's never just about the fruit. Everybody can live without a fruit. It all boils down to our hearts and our relationship with the Lord at the very intimate level. Boom. I, I'll tell you, this is, this is big, guys. I'm tell you straight up. This is big. Because we are, by and large, telling people what not to do rather than telling them what to do. You want the bigger yes? Get this book. Don't tell anyone you're reading this. That's the title of the book. <laughs> <laughs> and here's why. Lena's going to get brutally honest about sexual temptation no matter what age or stage of life. But there is the bigger yes. And that's what Lena always comes back to. That's her revivalist heart. For more details on this book and Lena's ministry, go to livingwithpower.org, livingwithpower.org. Don't just keep it to yourself. Give what you've heard to a friend with the Carlin Crew Showcast. Just go to carlincrew.org. Are you someone who has your mind changed easily or not? What would you say, team? Just in, in general, are people able to change your mind on things? I, I say, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think I'm getting less stubborn as time goes on. <laughs> okay. I was very stubborn and you couldn't it's change my mind, couldn't on, change most your mind things. on anything. No, okay. now I'm getting better. There's still a few things that I probably would dig my feet in on, but, <laughs> but not as much. Okay. Super die. It's still harder for me. And I think it's the opposite. The older I'm getting, because I, I tend to overthink. Ah, okay. So it's not so much. I'm, I'm putting my feet in the ground and refuse to like, believe with you or refuse to hear what you're saying it's just i really have to think about it yeah you know it's it's interesting because i think people usually do have a tendency to go one way or the other either either they're like kind of open to whatever oh yeah that sounds great but i think the vast majority of people get pretty set in their ways mm -hmm. i believe what I believe, even on like little things. Like, can you imagine, let's use Superdye for an example. Superdye is a diehard Cubs fan. Yeah. Can you imagine if we tried to get her to change her mind and become a Sox fan? Never happen. It would be impossible. <laughs> Never happen. <laughs> nope. what, what's something um, non, not gospel related, but something that you, someone would have a hard time changing your mind about? Oh, I know. What? Chick-fil-A is bad. Yeah, not a chance. It ain't going to happen. Digging go. my feet in. There you go. Don't mess with Jonathan and his Chick-fil-A. No, don't touch it. It's, it's mine. You know, I, I love basketball. So yeah. sometimes I um, I feel like I know what, not that I should be a referee because I would be a horrible one. 
But sometimes I'm like really wanting the referee to change his mind on certain calls. Because I'm like, don't you see how wrong that was? Come on. (laughs) Just look at it. Change your mind. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Like, don't you want to change your mind? You know, my husband is a former basketball player, now a basketball coach. He often jokes like, have you ever seen that work? Have you ever seen a referee like, you know what? My bad. No, there was literally a basketball player who played for the Bulls a little bit last year who got in trouble for taking a reporter's camera and showing the showing the referee the call he missed. Like doesn't work. You can show him the picture. It's still not going to work. I am not changing my mind on this. What is it that someone cannot change your mind on? Uh, Other than the gospel. Looking for your Favorite team. Your yeah. loyalty here runs deep. You cannot change my mind on this. Fill in the blank. We'll do text messages only on this one. You cannot change my mind on this. 312-274-9624. Again, the gospel is off the table. You can't change my mind about that. I'm looking for other answers. Absolutely. You cannot change my mind about this. 312 274 Nine six two four. What is it that you are gonna believe no matter what? Nobody's changing your mind. Three one two two seven four nine six two four. Living life for Jesus and having a blast in the process. We're Carling Crew mornings. I am cracking up in here over some of the things that we are willing to go to the wall for. So great. Mm-hmm. You will not change my mind says, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to give numbers on this one lest I start arguments. LeBron is a better all-around player than Ooh, Jordan. You no, will not uh-uh. change my mind. Oh, Stop. I've got comments, but I'm going to keep them to myself. Uh. You will not change my mind. Okra is disgusting. Math is the yeah. worst subject created. <laughs> Pepsi over Coke. Again, I'm not, I'm, I am not doing commentary. I'm simply reading these as they've come in. <laughs> that the toilet paper roll needs to be put ongoing on under not over that's not true that is not true listen no commentary jonathan why all of us are gonna have different opinions on i some know of these. but i have to share mine oh, oh like boy. popeye's chicken sandwiches being superior it's untrue <laughs> i like Calm them down. but it's untrue <laughs> that my hair color looks better red than my natural platinum white blonde you cannot convince me that iphone is better than android <laughs> oh it just oh, is. Oh boy! The importance and benefit uh, benefit of proper skin care. Okay, okay you can't yeah. change my mind uh, when when it comes to teaching children. It's the best feeling. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna agree with you on that. Aww. I think we can. That might be the least yeah. controversial one here. Popeye's chicken sandwiches are superior. It's just untrue. Oh, Jonathan. Somebody loves liver and onions. Red gold oh, tomato okay. ketchup. Red gold tomato ketchup's good. <laughs> Jonathan. I mean, I'm fine with it. Heinz. But I mean, it is Heinz, yeah. but it's the most good. Talented. I, I, yes. Yes, yes, the 85 Bears Woo-hoo. are the most talented, entertaining NFL shuffle. team. Oh, here's one that's going to stir up a lot. But again. Is it the top one that just came in? Cats are better than dogs. No. Mm. No, 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 no. Nobody no, no, can no, no, convince no, no, me no. that bacon is bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> White Castle is the best burger. I'm going to pray for you. No, someone, else said, someone else actually said no one can ever convince me to eat a White yeah. Castle slider. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, boy. Pineapple on a pepperoni pizza is really good. Butter versus margarine. Is there? I can't. I cannot taste a difference between the two. <gasps> okay, Jonathan, and, and you I know, can't. and this I just, just goes to show you how to each his own on this stuff. Dogs are better than cats. Yeah. yeah. Jordan is the goat. Do you see Woo! how we're we're splitting even on our our some of our positions? Absolutely. Oh, spaghetti boy. gravy is gravy. I don't know what, what that. Not what is spaghetti, spaghetti gravy? Now I have I to look know. that up. I've never heard of spaghetti gravy before. <laughs> and then a vote for Coke over Pepsi. Okay. I saw another one for Pepsi These over are Coke. Great. The craziest carpool in Chicagoland. We're Carl and Crew mornings. You know, I took an apologetics course a couple years ago. Apologetics is just really the defense of the faith, being able to give mm-hmm. reasoned positions for why you believe what you believe. And it was a fascinating class. And one of the first things that they did was explain the structure or the components of a worldview. I know I'm getting this is maybe a I love this stuff. So bear with me if you're like, this is boring. But there are four main components of any worldview. Any worldview belief system has to address four main things. The first is origin. 
how did this okay. all begin? How did I get here? How did this start? The second is meaning, the why. Why am I here? The third is morality. How do I determine right and wrong? The fourth is destiny. What happens next? What happens after I die? Origin, meaning, morality, and destiny. Every single worldview has to have answers to those four. I think that's good. And so when you think about the worldview that you possess, whatever system you're building your life on, maybe you've never thought about it in categories, but ask yourself right now, what do I believe about how all of this came to be? Yep, the world, me, how? How did this all come to be? There are some really wild theories that people embrace about explosions and you know, when they, when they teach this in school, I'm always curious how they explain to kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. Good point. <laughs> Good point. And so, you know, I've heard different, and I'm not knocking school systems here, but I found it interesting how puzzled my kids were mm-hmm. about explanations like how there was an explosion. Sure. And then stuff was here that wasn't before. Yeah. Yeah. My kids are like, huh? (laughs) So wait, what? There were, they, their minds couldn't wrap. Like, how do you explain? Like if I were to hold up my arm and I have a wristwatch, if I would have told you that there was some sort of an explosion and all of a sudden there was a watch appeared on my arm. Well, yeah. You would think I was crazy. Well, yeah, because explosions usually destroy things, not create them. That's exactly (laughs) what my kids said. But so, go ahead. Well, I'll say this because I yeah I've thought a lot about this. It, you know, if God decided to do everything through a big bang, you know that's not that's not mine to decide whether that's right or wrong. Sure. You know, if God decided to do it, God decided to do it. But if you think about it without the context of God, I, I went through one of my went through this with one of my friends. So you go, let's just trail backwards. You know, yeah. okay. So before the explosion, here's all this stuff now. Before the explosion, you know, trailing back. What was there before the explosion? Well, there was just this, you know, clump of cells and atoms that were kind of floating around. Well, where did those come from? We, If you can explain where this stuff came from before the or after the explosion, where did the stuff before the explosion come from? Yeah. You still have the origin problem. And that's, I think, what God explains. So origin is the first one. And again, I want to be very careful. I'm not knocking belief system, but what I'm saying is that you have to have an answer for how did this all come to be? Number two, meaning the why. All of us long to know why, why am I here? Mm -hmm. That's big for us here in the mornings. What is my purpose? And for the Christ follower, we know that ultimately we are made in the image of God And our ultimate aim is to glorify God, that God is most sad or we are most satisfied when, uh, what is that? Find that catechism thing for me because I don't want to misquote it. God is most glorified as we are most satisfied in him. Exactly. Morality. How do you determine what's right and wrong? Again, what does your belief system say about morality? If it just is that I kind of trust my gut, you have to extend that out and go, okay, well, that. what about for other people? Yeah. Is there any sort of absolute right? How do we know that? How do we arrive at any sort of consensus that anything is wrong without some sort of standard that's established? How do we collectively say that murder is wrong mm-hmm. without a standard? So your worldview has to address that. And then ultimately destiny. What happens after? What does your worldview say about that? This is a longer discussion, and this is morning radio, so it's tough to break all of this down. <laughs> but, but I want you to really look at your worldview in those four categories. Now, for the Christ follower, origin, we know that God created the heaven and the earth, that the earth was mm-hmm. without shape, yep. that he spoke into mm-hmm. nothing. Into being. And mm-hmm. created We know that our meaning and our purpose is found in him. We know that ultimately God determines right and wrong. And so we look at even laws that flow out that won't, that don't acknowledge God as the creator. But when we think about 
just people being image bearers, there being a higher value placed on the life of a person, let's say, than the life of an animal. Well, that's ultimately because of God, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Think about destiny. Well, we know that something happens after we die, right? From Scripture, we know that we will spend eternity with God or we will spend eternity separated from Mm -hmm. God. When you are in Christ, you have the word of God that gives you answers to all of these questions. Is there an element of mystery? Absolutely. There are many questions that we will not have firm answers to right now. I can't answer you easily why some of the terrible things happen in this world. I know that we live in a fallen world, but in your situation or in my situation, when we get blindsided with something, I can't. I, I, Anybody who attempts to give you a why, be cautious. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But what does your worldview say about these four categories? Have you held it up? Have you examined it? Coming up. We'll discuss this a little bit more. You got a question? You can throw it in. You got a comment? I'll take those two. 312-274-9624. Get more from your morning show. Check us out on social media. Just search Carlin Crew Mornings on Facebook and Instagram. Are you willing to change your mind when you're confronted with evidence that suggests maybe you're wrong about something? You know, there was a time early on in our dating relationship where my husband and I had a bit of a disagreement, and I was so convinced that I was right. And this was pre like pull out an iPhone and Google it and get your answer. Sure. He used a word, melanin. Melanin, which sure, if yeah. you're familiar with that, it determines yeah. the amount of pigment in hair, skin, right. nails. Someone who has darker skin has more melanin. Someone with fairer skin has less. Pretty simple. Well, the only problem was for the entirety of my life, I had always thought that what determined pigment in skin was melatonin. Close. Close. No, not close. Not in definition, but in sound. Not in definition no. at all. And, it, you know, it's almost embarrassing because I'm like, I was so convinced that he was wrong, that, hey, it's melatonin. And he's like, no, it's melanin. I said, no, it's really melatonin. And we went back and forth and we laugh about it to this day because I'm the word person. I was the journalism major. He was economic. So for the math stuff, yes, sports stuff. His domain. Sure. But anything grammar, word, sentence structure, that was mine. That's your, your territory. Domain. My territory. <laughs> Step off. Well, of course, once we got to some place where we could look it up, melanin was the correct word, and I was wrong. <laughs> but imagine Ooh. if I had been stubborn enough to, even when presented with evidence that, hey, you might not be right on this one. Hmm. Imagine being stubborn enough to say, Nope. I'm going to continue to go on with melatonin as the word I use when I describe the pigment right? skin. Melatonin is a hormone that helps regulate sleep, by the way. Melanin is something entirely different. But you have to be willing to change your mind and to examine if positions and things that you hold to be true actually are. The word of God is such a great resource for us. And when you start to study this out, if you do different apologetics classes or if you look at resources that help, um, you know, there have been people who have examined to try to determine how do we know that the Bible is true? And so then you you can look at other historical books and determine things that confirm what's said in scripture. There are archaeological digs that help confirm. The closer you hold up your belief in Jesus Christ to scrutiny, the stronger your faith actually becomes. Because it is a very reasonable faith. It is, is there an element of mystery? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But is it a blind faith? Is it simply an adopting a belief system because it sounds nice? No, my friend. Absolutely not. When you start to study this out, you find out that faith in Christ is one of the most reasonable things that you could hold. So I want to hear from you. What is it that you heard that caused you to change your mind? 
to go from whatever it was you believed about life, how we got here, why we're here, what happens when we die. What is it that you heard that caused you to change your mind? 312-274-9624. Julianne calling in this morning from Wisconsin. You got a take on this. Give it to me. Yes. So I grew up in in a church, but it was just God, Jesus, and kind of do this, do that. Yeah. But I always didn't feel like I measured up, and I struggled a lot with feeling ashamed because of I knew how I was living. My life was not contrary to it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I heard the story of the woman caught in adultery yep. that when he said to her after, you know, the, the famous, you know, first one cast the first cent, you know, cast the first rock. Yeah. Uh, when he said, woman, has no one condemned you? And she said, no one. And he said, neither do I. Mm. And uh, one of my favorite verses in scripture is Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there's no now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Julianne, did that so change that things for you? Flipped it. Yeah, because that, that's where I recognized there was a relationship aspect that I was totally missing. Hmm. Um, I, I, I had all the, like, uh, the foundation was there, but I didn't connect the, the relationship like Jesus loves me personally Jesus does not condemn me personally he died for me and my sins and as long as I am you know faithful you know to confess my sins he's faithful and just to forgive them and um, otherwise I was like on a hamster wheel trying to earn his favor but obviously we can't yep that's (laughs) good so yeah so it was just like those connecting points that like blew my mind open to like oh my gosh like I'm free. Yeah. I'm free from the yoke of slavery. Julianne from Wisconsin that's awesome. She's my sister. <laughs> that's good stuff. You know that that could yeah. cause you to change your mind. Yeah. If you have a belief system that yeah I believe in God but he's kind of mad at me and uh, when I mess up he's ready to like pounce and our lightning will will strike. You ever heard somebody say I couldn't walk into a a church building, lightning might strike, you know? Yeah. If you have this belief of this angry God who's ready to pounce on you, that would be a, a game changer, a mind changer when you realize, wait a second, is God a God of justice? Absolutely. Is he a God of wrath even? Yes, he is. But because of Jesus, the price that Jesus paid on the cross for your sins and mine satisfied the wrath of God so that we could receive forgiveness of sins and we could be made right with him, that we could come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and help. So when we place our faith in Jesus, we are made right with God. Maybe you're hearing that and it's blowing some circuits for you because you had this whole angry God in your mind or you had some other variation of things that you've heard. God wants to have relationship with you through Jesus. It's going to be on his terms, though. It's not going to be on your terms. He's not a God of our own making. It's going to be on his terms. So it's going to require your humble surrender, your giving up your life in the sense that you're determining this is what I do, this is what I say, this is where I go. I'm the boss of my own life. It's going to require humble surrender, but I promise you, you are trading way up. You are trading way up. A self-lived, a life lived for self is no life at all. So if today you say, I come under, I believe that Jesus is the son of God, crucified because of my sin, but raised on the third day so that I could have new life in him, If today that's you, have that honest conversation with God where you confess that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and that today you believe that it's Jesus, no one but Jesus. And when you have that conversation, that honest prayer, text us. Text us the word welcome so we can follow up with you. Text welcome to 312-274-9624. Just text the word welcome to 312-274-9624. What about you? What was it that you heard that changed your mind? 312-274-9624. Whether it's number one or 100, take that step with Jesus today. 
You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. What was it that you heard that changed your mind? Whatever it was you were believing about God, about faith, about the gospel, what was it that you heard that changed your mind? Louise from Orland Park, tell me. Hi, good morning. Um, Well, I grew up in a Catholic church. However, I turned my back at 19. I married a man, didn't realize he was into drugs, alcohol, all this stuff. I went that way somewhat. And uh, at one point, a new church was starting, and they came to see if they could pick up kids. At those days, it used to like be like a bus ministry. Mm-hmm. And so they took the kids a few times. And one time, the guy said to me, why don't you come? You know, you got nothing to lose, and you can always not go. I went, well, I don't feel threatened. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> so I went, and at that time, the head pastor was out of town, and his assistant was preaching. And this man came up in a wheelchair. He was all disfigured. He gave his testimony about how God delivered him from alcohol and drug abuse and everything. And when they made the altar call, I thought, well, guess what? I guess if God could do that for him, uh, he could do it for me, too. And that's the day I got saved. Wow. Louise from Orland Park. Such a sweet story. Maybe you believed I'm not fit for God. And then you see somebody who had the similar struggle hmm. as you did and go, wow, God can save me too. Yeah. Let's get one more in here. Joanne from Aurora, what did you hear that changed your mind? Hi, I was also brought up in a faith, not a faith-based, but a um, tradition-based faith. Yeah. And so all the things that I had heard, I actually started listening to Moody and things that I thought were right and I was believing, I wasn't seeing that in my past. Mm -hmm. So I said, if God is the God that he professes to be, then I'll read the Bible. But I thought, well, I can't read the Bible. This is like, you know, they have ministers. They know this stuff. I'll never be able to understand it. And I said, if God is the God that he professes to be, he'll help me understand it. And as I started to read the word, it was revealed to me that the things I was believing wasn't the way to salvation. And it wasn't, I wasn't on the right path. I was on the wrong path. And I made that decision to turn from that path, which wasn't easy because my whole family was on that path. Mm. But I made the decision to get on a different path. And now everyone on my family is on that path. (laughs) Oh, Joanne. (laughs) Awesome. Aurora, thank you so much for that. That call. Yeah, it's amazing how God saves one and then more. See? Oh, beautiful story. <sighs> Freedom Friday never disappoints here on Carlin Crew Mornings. Hey, this is Carl with Carlin Crew, and I'm so grateful that you listened to this show cast. Thank you mostly for being part of the Boom Crew. As we help you take your next step with Jesus, you're a huge encouragement to us. We'll be here again live every weekday morning from 5 to 9 a.m. Godspeed.